The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. Bringing you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. So we have an insurrection happening in the Cannon Building. This is the march outside, the pro-Palestinian march going on outside. And then we have this happening inside of our building. Uneducated people who want to support the killing of innocent Israelis, innocent Jews, whether they're elderly, whether they're middle-aged, whether they're married or unmarried, whether they're children, male or female, whether they're babies, when they want to decapitate babies, they want to come into this Capitol building and wreak havoc. They want to tear down and destroy public property because they don't have a clue what's going on in the Middle East. They want to blame Israel. I, for one, am not going to stop standing for Israel, and never will I give up on Israel, and the United States shouldn't either. These people shouldn't be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. It's all so revealing, isn't it? You're not going to see, you probably won't even see footage of this, were it not for Marjorie Taylor Greene filming it on her own phone and posting it on her Twitter feed. You probably wouldn't have seen any of this. Joe Scarborough's not going to compare it to Pearl Harbor or 9-11. You're not going to have the talking heads, Beschloss over at NBC, MSNBC, saying this is, this is akin to the Civil War. 
I mean, here are demonstrators. Think about this for a second. Demonstrators supporting Hamas, murdering mothers and children, and they're taking over the Capitol. They're, they're waltzing right into the building. Are they going to be thrown in jail for two, two years without a trial? Are they going to be thrown into the, the D.C. gulag? Well, there might have been a few arrests yesterday, but you can be sure they'll get a little slap on the wrist because, well, they're, they're supporting Hamas. They hate Israel. So open the doors wide and let them take over the Capitol. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We sure appreciate you joining us on today's show. You can get to the live video stream of this show at TrumpetDaily.com or at our Rumble channel. That's rumble.com forward slash Trumpet Daily. Make sure if you watch on Rumble that you give us the, uh, the Rumble thumbs up and leave a nice comment on the page as well. Lots to get to on today's show. Richard Palmer over at our Edstone offices in his morning brief. He says, Washington, D.C. was the site of a violent insurrection yesterday. Pro-Palestinian domestic terrorists stormed the Capitol in a terrible day for U.S. democracy. They called for a ceasefire in Palestine in the worst attack on U.S. soil since the British burned the White House in 1812. He's having a little fun with this event, just as I did here at the top of the show. It's, it's all so revealing. And, and more and more Americans are waking up to just how corrupt and evil the pro-Hamas regime media is. They're pro-Obama. They're pro-radical fundamental transformation of the United States. They're, they're pro-Hamas. Hamas can attack Israelis, murder 1,400 of them, take 200 hostage and then blow up their own hospital and blame it on Israel. And the regime media, they'll, they'll take that message and run with it. And then they'll, then they'll insist that Israel, Israel must stop firing. Israel must lead the ceasefire. Listen, just again, going back to the violent insurrection that happened yesterday, most in the regime media they won't even call these demonic Hamas monsters. They won't even call them terrorists. They call them fighters. They say that they're fighters. They say that they're resisting the oppression. They're resisting the occupiers. They're fighters. If they accidentally say terrorists, they'll correct themselves. I mean fighters. They're Hamas fighters that went in and carved out the unborn babies from expecting mothers. Those are fighters, you see. They're fighting Israel by killing those innocent civilians. But when it comes to Trump supporters, well, I mean, you can use all the fiery language you need to describe these terrorists. Listen to Jake Tapper. This is Jake Tapper 1.0. We got a, a little bit of a glimpse of Jake Tapper 2.0 for about two days. But this is Jake Tapper 1.0, talking about the January 6th protesters. Clip three. 
So how did these domestic terrorists storm the nation's capital? The capital ransacked by MAGA terrorists, the assault perpetrated by the MAGA terrorists, the terrorists, the MAGA terrorists, MAGA terrorists, deadly attack by MAGA terrorists, the MAGA terrorist mob. A terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol. Far-right domestic terrorism, a huge problem in this country. Nobody supports terrorist attacks, or I used to think that anyway, but nobody rational supports their terrorist attacks. Should there be repercussions for your colleagues who played a role in inciting this terrorist attack? You can't have presidents of the United States inciting terrorist attacks yeah. on the Capitol. Incited a terrorist mob. Incited the terrorist attack and the terrorists that he has emboldened but after the terrorist attack on the capitol that deadly terrorist attack the deadly riot the terrorist attack the deadly terrorist attack that's and that's not even including the terrorist attack new clues that the january 6th capitol attack may just be the beginning of more right-wing extremist mega terrorist attacks in america that's the world we live in you see trump supporters are terrorists and hamas terrorists are fighters they're fighting against Israeli occupation. They're fighting against Israeli genocide. Genocide, the genocide that Israel's carrying out. That's what these Hamas fighters are resisting against. Yesterday on the show, I talked to you about the hospital, the, the explosion at the hospital, and just how the media, the regime media, they create the narrative and then when it blows up in their faces, it's exposed as a fraud. Then they say, well, but still, I mean, Israel's got to be concerned about their perception. You created the perception. These people aligning themselves with terrorists, actual terrorists, not the ones on January 6th that waltzed into the Capitol, took selfies, and then waltzed out, and now they're in the D.C. gulag. Not those quote-unquote terrorists, but actual terrorists that are committing atrocities, that are murdering civilians, innocent civilians, young people, little babies. Then they blow up their own hospital, and what happens? Well, speaking of Jake Tapper, he says, Palestinian Health Ministry says 200 to 300 people may have been killed in Israeli strike on a hospital in Gaza. He said it was an Israeli strike. Jake Tapper, he took what the Hamas propaganda arm said, and he ran with it. New York Times, blast kills hundreds at Gaza Hospital. Washington Post, hospital strike kills hundreds. Wall Street Journal, even. Blast in Gaza Hospital kills hundreds. Gaza Health Ministry says hundreds killed in Israeli airstrike on hospital. That's from the Financial Times. The Guardian uses the word strike as well. Of course, Israel struck the hospital. And then you look at the headlines today. This is from uh, the Daily Mail. Protesters chanting death to France and England target Western embassies and tens of thousands take to the streets as anger at Gaza hospital bombing spreads across the Arab world. Why, oh why, would the anger spread? Well, because Jake Tapper and company spread the message. The false narrative. The Israeli strike on the Gaza hospital. And then we're somehow supposed to be shocked or surprised at the anger that spreads, the violence that spreads, even around embassies, 
Western embassies around the world. I told you yesterday, Justin Trudeau up in Canada blamed it on Israel right away. Just like, just like members of Congress, just like Jake Tapper, New York Times, all of them. They're all guilty of spreading this false narrative. And then when it's exposed as being false, they don't say, sorry, we got it wrong. We're going to be just as relentless about spreading the truth regarding this story. They don't say that. They say, well, I mean, okay, it's a false narrative, but still, the perception. Israel's got to deal with the perception, so they better dial it back. They, they, better, they better be careful about this Gaza invasion. And then you've got the, the false or fake president. Either way, either term applies. The fake president, he's over there. He's over there basically handcuffing Israel. He tweets out yesterday that, yeah, we're going to give we're going to give a hundred million dollars to Gaza to Gaza. Who controls Gaza? That would be Hamas. So they announced yesterday that we're going to give a hundred million dollars to Hamas. This is Carolyn Glick. She says, I feared I feared Biden would do. Uh, what I feared Biden would do, and then some. He announced the U.S. is providing $100 million in humanitarian aid to Gaza and the West Bank. This is all money to Hamas. He said if Hamas seizes the supplies he coerced Israel to permit to enter Gaza, then, quote, this is a quote from the fake president, then they will prove once again that they don't care about the Palestinians. So here's... Here's Joe Obama basically saying, we're going to give you $100 million. We're going to insist Israel send in all the supplies that you need. And then he says, he says, if Hamas seizes the supplies or if they seize control of the money, then they're going to prove once again that they don't care about the Palestinian people. They've done it over and over. He implies that he knows that's what they've done over and over again. But hey, we got to try it again. We've got to send in the supplies and we've got to send in a hundred million dollars, a tenth of a billion dollars to Hamas. It says here, why do they have to prove the obvious? Moreover, this is Carolyn Glick, providing them with aid directly or indirectly is illegal under the U.S. international law. On board Air Force One, Biden was asked if, the, if he managed to prevent Israel from invading Gaza. He said, it is a discussion taking place between military officials on both sides. <laughs> There's actually a discussion taking place between America and Israel. How much longer before Israel just says, forget about it? Okay, listen, we didn't even invite him, but he insisted on an invite. So, okay, come on over. We'll, we'll chat with you for a few hours. Even though the whole of the Arab world shunned Biden, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, all of even the PA. They said, we're not going to meet with Biden. So Biden cuts his his trip short. Then he gives this ridiculous, this ridiculous, you know, press briefing on Air Force One while going home. Saying, yeah, we're giving 100 million. And we're also discussing with the Israelis about not even going into Gaza. It's like we said yesterday, if if Israel doesn't get busy and go in. Before, before we know it, the entirety of the world is going to be against Israel. 
after the worst attack against Israel since the Holocaust. Can you believe this? Look at what happened in the Capitol yesterday. That's happening all over the world. People taking to the streets against Israel and pro-Hamas. Well, Joe Obama, I mean, he's, they're pro-Hamas. They just gave Hamas $100 million. It says here, it's important to note that Biden was completely humiliated by the Arabs. In Arab culture, if a man comes to your tent, you have to provide him with hospitality, even if you hate him. Well, Biden came to their tent yesterday, and Mahmoud Abbas and King Abdullah and Sisi in Egypt said, no, no thanks. We don't want to talk to you. What does that say about Barack Obama's Mideast agenda? He came in in 2009. He said, hey, we've got a fundamental transformation going on. And that includes, that includes our foreign policy with respect to the Middle East. We want to empower Iran to be a regional player right up on the level of Israel and Saudi Arabia. And we'll see, we'll see how that works out. In fact, we're going to show so- support, more support for Iran than Israel, because deep in, in my heart of hearts, I mean, there's some serious animosity toward the Jews. Barack Obama, he's right in the same camp. The Jew haters. The Jew haters that are taking to the streets in London, in Montreal, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Western cities, in, in, in uh, Western Europe. Yeah, it's, sweet. it's becoming such a dangerous threat. You've got Western leaders like Macron in France saying, hey, if there's Hamas sympathizers here, we got to get them out. we got to send them back to their home countries. This is too dangerous. In the United States, though, we invite them into the Capitol. Why not? It's no threat. It's just the Trump Republicans. That's the ones that threaten democracy. Certainly not these terrorist sympathizers. No, no. National Review, the mainstream media outlets that raced to affirm Hamas's version of events in the Gaza Strip on Tuesday afternoon now appear to be complicit in the unmitigated debacle. The New York Times, Reuters, Associated Press, PBS, BBC, and many others raced to repeat with utterly undue credulity the claim that Israeli forces wantonly attacked a hospital producing upwards of 500 fatalities. Why stop at 500? I mean, Hamas kept bumping it. They got as high as 900. Yeah, 900 people got killed by Israel. And they take it, they take what Hamas spokespeople say, and they run with it immediately. And then as soon as the IDF comes forward and says, look, we've got video evidence that we didn't do it. It was Hamas. It was either a misfire or it was intentional Or some have even said it didn't even happen now because they're seeing signs of the fact that the hospital's still intact. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something if the entire story, even the fact that it blew up, was a complete and total hoax? In fact, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? In this fake and phony world that we've been living in for a number of years now. These, these people in the regime media, they're complicit. They're causing violence. They're causing murder. That's the truth. This is no harmless mistake, it says. It was not an accident. 
This calumny wasn't, wasn't attributable to the fog of war or misstep by citizen journalists on social media whom professional reporters look upon with contempt. Had the press responded to Hamas's claims with some incredulity, cautioned patience, and waited more out, mere hours to confirm events as they occurred, this could have been avoided. But every basic journalistic best practice was thrown out the window in pursuit of nothing more than a sordid little narrative. Well, if it's anti-Israel, let's just run with it. Or the way the protesters around the world are thinking, if it's anti-Israel, hey, let's turn out on the streets. And let's protest Israel after the worst terrorist attack against Israel in its state's history. One day, 1,400 murdered. 1,400! That's 9-11 by, by, by the U.S. population numbers. That's 9-11 times about 20 or 25. And what happens? Tens of thousands take to the streets in support of, not Israel, <laughs> no, no, in support of Hamas. I mean, we... I've made this point, I suppose, for the last nine programs. But we can't let it go, because look at, look at what we're going up against. Look at the lies. Look at the deceit. Look at the propaganda. Revelation 12.9 says the whole world is deceived, and there's many, 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 many scriptures that say in the very last days before Christ returns to this earth, I mean, it's, it's going to be so bad. So bad that if God doesn't intervene, there'd be no flesh saved alive. Jesus said that in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. This is the course that we're on. Joe Biden tweeted yesterday, I just announced $100 million for humanitarian assistance. That's what they hide behind. Hey, it's just for humanitarian aid. We'll, we'll send it to the Hamas authorities and... You know, we can trust them. They'll give it to the people of Gaza, right? I mean, what, a, what a fool to, to come out with something like, after what happened? After what happened at the hospital? I've just announced $100 million in aid for humanitarian assistance in Gaza. This money will support over 1 million displaced and conflict-affected Palestinians. It's going to support a million Palestinians. Did you know this? Yeah, Hamas is going to take the hundred million and they're just going to start doling it out to a million Palestinians in Gaza. Isn't that wonderful? It's, a, it's foolish. It's, fo it's little children running the country. It, it, it's, not even, it's not even that. It's worse than that. It's all part of the fundamental transformation of the United States and the Middle East. Give the terrorists money. Give the terrorist sympathizers control of the streets, even the U.S. Capitol. Why not? The Washington Free Beacon says the Palestinian government is expected to dole out nearly three million this month to the families of Hamas terrorists responsible for an unprecedented attack on Israel that killed nearly 1,500 civilians and wounded many more, according to a watchdog group. Isn't that nice? We fund them with $100 million. They take it, 
and they give it to the families of the terrorists that killed the pregnant women. Yeah, that's right. They're there to be rewarded because, well, they're not terrorists, they're fighters. They're just fighting. They're fighting against Israeli occupation, even though Israel didn't occupy one square inch of Gaza. But, but never mind that. They're fighting against the occupation. The Palestinian Authority, as part of its pay-to-slay program, will allocate $2.8 million this month to, re- to reward Hamas terrorists for Saturday's massacre. That's Mahmoud Abbas. That's the leadership in the West Bank. And Mahmoud Abbas, as soon as the hospital blows up, Abbas comes out and says, I'm not going to this summit in Jordan. We're in mourning because the IDF bombed the hospital. It's all fake, isn't it? It's all phony. The Daily Wire, this is, I'll just give you the headline. The U.S. can't, the U.S. government hired a pro-Hamas PLL spokeswoman to handle asylum claims. Bring in the refugees. Why not? Uh, we looked at that protest that overtook the Capitol building, the Cannon building, I guess it was, yesterday. There's not enough of them. You know, tens of thousands, it's not enough. So let's get some more refugees from Gaza over here. Some more terrorist sympathizers. Let's, let's bring them right into our nation. How much longer before a horrific terrorist attack strikes the United States or Britain? That's coming. Benjamin Netanyahu said as much yesterday. If we don't eliminate this threat now, if we don't destroy this terrorist movement, you know, it's going to come to your nation. And, and people in Western Europe are beginning to wake up to that fact. France, Germany. But, but not Joe Obama. No, no. Send them $100 million so that Mahmoud Abbas can send money, cash money, to the family members of the terrorists. That's how the money is distributed. There's another story here about how the university campuses, you just, again, you get into the sickness, how that it goes from head to toe, as Isaiah 1, verses 6 and 7 says. You get into the sickness and you have to say, it is through and through. I mean, it is top to bottom. It is a cancer. Top top law firm rescinds job offers to Ivy League students who signed Israel letters. This is basically just describing the extent to which the university campuses throw their support behind, not Israel, certainly not Israel. I mean, even Ben Shapiro can't go onto a university campus without widespread protest because he's Jewish. But now, now, I mean, they're turning out by the thousands. Another one, Washington Examiner, former campus radicals now teach your children. After Hamas butchered hundreds of Israeli civilians and raped and injured thousands more, dozens of student groups at Harvard, Columbia, and other elite universities did the unthinkable, blaming the victims and expressing support for their com- those committing unspeakable atrocities. You can't even believe this is happening, but it is. It is. The statement issued by the coalition of 31 student organizations at Harvard held that, quote, the Israeli regime is entirely responsible for all unfolding violence. 
There's the educated of America today. Hamas goes in, butchers 400 Israeli civilians, and Harvard graduates or Harvard students say, it's Israel's fault. It's that, that uh, pregnant woman's fault, I guess. It's the little baby's fault. This is worse than sickness. It's demonic. It's right out of the mind of the devil. It's right out of the mind of Satan, the devil. John 8 and verse 44 says he's the father of liars, all the propagandists that you see in the regime media, and he's the father of murderers as well. And he loves it when the liars in the media rush to the defense of the murderers and say, hey, they, they, they're justified. They carried out those acts of, of violence because, because of the Jews. The Jews are the problem. Where is that spirit of hatred coming from? Well, if you don't have the Key of David booklet, my father addresses the, the devil's just irrational hatred of Jews, spiritual Jews and physical Jews too. And of course, you know all about the 2 Kings 14 prophecy regarding Satan's efforts to even blot out the name of Israel. Speaking of America and Britain primarily, but Satan, I mean, he sure hates the Jews as well. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk more about where this hatred of Jews, this fundamental transformation, not even just in America, but in the Middle East, where it springs from. That would be the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us at tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. Virtually every 
mass shooting, every circumstance where a large number of people have been victimized and lost. I spoke to them. I learned a long time ago that you all were in their life. When someone's going through something that is beyond their comprehension, they don't ever thought they'd have to be through. If they see someone who they think understands or maybe they're through something not the same, but similar, it gives them some sense of hope. And I always get criticized sometimes when my staff even when I go to these events, I stay for three and four hours and answer all the questions. But it matters. It matters a lot. And uh, and look, I'm talking some of you have gone through a hell of a lot more than I've gone through and a lot more than other people have gone through. And you understand. So it's just it's just uh, people are looking for just something to grab. Something gives them some sense sense of hope. And that's if I can do a little bit of that then The world's going up in flames, and this is the image that Barack Obama wants to project to the world, an image of a pathetic president, a fake president, who's not leading the world's single greatest superpower in history. He's just the puppet. The puppet master from behind, he loves, he loves taking the United States down a notch or a two or three or four. It's all part of the fundamental transformation, isn't it? Just empower the mullahs, empower the terrorists, and then come out of your cubbyhole on Air Force One and say what? Say that? Say what? Whatever it means. It would have been better for him to be tucked away inside of Air Force One after a disastrous trip to Israel and one in which he proudly announces, hey, we're funding Hamas. We're going to give him a hundred million dollars. Listen to what he had to say about the, uh, the hospital explosion. This is clip two. Our Defense Department says it's highly unlikely that it was Israelis, but if it had a different footprint and an interception, anyway. And uh, so that's why, if you notice, I didn't say it first. I I wanted to make sure that I knew. And look, and I'm not suggesting that Hamas deliberately did it either. It's that old thing, got to learn how to shoot straight. You need to learn how to shoot straight. What a, what a time to crack a, a joke. I, I assume it's a joke. Th- this is the big takeaway from the hospital explosion. Look, uh, Israel didn't do it, and Hamas needs to learn how to shoot straight so that they can hit Israel, I guess. So that, Did you know that some of those Hamas rockets, two of them hit a hospital in Ashkelon, Israel? Did you hear about this? No, no, of course not. It doesn't matter if, if Hamas rockets hit Israeli hospitals. That's no story at all, Jake Tapper says. Uh, Joe Scarborough's not going to waste his precious minutes on his morning show talking about an Israeli hospital that's, that's bombed by Hamas. Uh, 
It's just the hospital, the Christian one at that, the hospital in Gaza that gets bombed by Hamas. Now there's a story we can run with. We'll just change the facts around and agree with the Hamas propagandists that Israel bombed it and killed 500 people. Maybe 900 for all we know. Maybe 900. Why not? Let's say 1,100. Let's say 1,500. Do you think there's going to be any journal, any Western journalist skeptical of those reports coming from the Hamas propagandists? Of course not. They don't need to prove anything. They don't need evidence to get the BBC and the New York Times to run with it. They just need to say it. And their apologists, their, their sympathizers, their supporters in the media will surely take it and run with it. I played this clip for you uh, yesterday when Joe Biden was in Israel and his comments on the, uh, the hospital blast. Listen again to this, clip four. Dad and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. The other team, he says, I guess it's, it's kind of like a, a friendly competition of, of basketball or football. You've got Israel on the one side, and then you've got the other team. You've got the other team that is Hamas. And from what my sources are telling me, uh, you didn't fire on that hospital. The other team did. They misfired, and they need to learn how to shoot straight. This is his take. This thinking, this mindset, guess who it springs from? That would be the dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. Sundance at Conservative Treehouse had a headline yesterday that caught our attention. He says, Barry's fingerprints are all over this. Barry, that would be Barack Obama. His fingerprints are all over this dumpster fire in the Middle East. It says, in discussion of the Middle East, the current dynamic of Hamas attacking Israel and the necessary, albeit perhaps painful, response that will now be delivered by Israel, some have noted Obama's fingerprints are all over this. They're all over this. This is why you need America under attack. Because as we point out in here, Obama's fingerprints are all over the attack on America here at home as well. The 800 number, you can see it there at the bottom of your screen, one 930 3024. He says here, it's true and it's worth remembering the history of this as it pertains to the U.S. triggering the Arab Spring as the first deployment of Obama's foreign policy. You go back to those early years. He gets into office in early 2009. His first phone call is to Mahmoud Abbas. His first major speech is at Cairo with the Muslim Brotherhood sitting in the front row. His first major plan of inaction, of doing nothing when there's a world crisis, is when he supported the mullahs during the Green Revolution. You had a popular revolution in Iran in 2009, and Barack Obama didn't do anything to encourage it because he loves the mullahs. But then you have the popular uprisings in 2011. If it's going to take down Mubarak who continued on with peace to Israel, started by Anwar Sadat. Well, this is an opportunity to just upend the entire region and to give more power to Iran. 
And so there was Obama and all of Obama's people out there just stirring up strife and hatred and, and revolution and violence in Egypt, in Libya, in Syria, all over the place. Obama's responsible for that. Largely, largely so, he is. He triggered the Arab Spring, Sundance writes. He says Obama didn't travel to Cairo, Egypt, for his first foreign policy trip accidentally. He did it with great intent and purpose. There was purpose and intent behind the first phone call, Mahmoud Abbas, and the first international trip with a major foreign policy speech. He gave it in Cairo, Egypt. And to Mubarak's shock, he invited in the Muslim Brotherhood and put him on the front row. How about that? That's fundamental transformation. This is from that Cairo speech back in 2009, clip six. I understand those who protest that some countries have weapons that others do not. No single nation should pick and choose which nation holds nuclear weapons. And that's why I strongly reaffirmed America's commitment to seek a world in which no nations hold nuclear weapons. And any nation, including Iran, should have the right to access peaceful nuclear power if it complies with its responsibilities under the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. There you go. Under the cover of the Angel of Light statement, look, I, I, I want a world with no nuclear weapons, but, you know, if we're going to have a world with nuclear weapons, who are we to say which nation can have them and which nation can't? And right as he's saying this, right as he's delivering this speech, Iran was race, the number one terrorist sponsoring nation in the world was racing to acquire a nuclear weapon. And there's the dear leader. There's the dear leader saying, you know what? Who are we to say Iran can't have one? So his administration, they devised this plan. It came to fruition in the form of the JCPOA in 2014 and 15, finalized in 2016. And it was basically the United States saying, look, we'll let you build the nuclear bomb, but it just needs to be kind of under our watch. But we'll, we'll help you get it done. We'll help you get it done. That was the central plank of Barack Hussein Obama's foreign policy coming into office in 2009. Listen again to that same speech, clip seven. More recently, tension has been fed by colonialism that denied rights and opportunities to many Muslims. In a Cold War, in which Muslim-majority countries were too often treated as proxies without regard to their own aspirations. Moreover, the sweeping change brought by modernity and globalization led many Muslims to view the West as hostile to the traditions of Islam. It's our fault. Have you heard this before? Listen, we understand why many Muslims hate the United States and why they hate Jews, but uh, I'm here to tell you that it's our fault. You know, you've got colonialism, modernity, you've got the Cold War. I mean, you've been caught in the crossfire. You've been occupied. You've been oppressed. But now I've arrived 
and I'm going to turn everything on its head, and I'm going to empower terrorism. And he certainly did do that. Look at what happened under his watch. Look at what, go back and look at, look at some of the, the trumpet issues from 2011. I mean, it seems like a, a century ago almost. We wrote an entire booklet on the Arab Spring. My, my father, this is from August of 2009, the, the, the Philadelphia trumpet. How President Obama's Cairo speech will shake the nations. Tomorrow's news today. Subscribe to the Trumpet magazine. Look at the most recent one. There's the dear leader. He's running the country from the basement, as he said he wanted to do in 2016. Right as Donald Trump's about to come in, he unleashes the force, the power of the DOJ to go after his political rival, Donald John Trump. He got him out of office with the election steal in 2020. And now look at what he's doing to the look at what he's doing to the Middle East. Biden goes over there to see Israel and on the same trip, which was cut short because nobody in the Arab world wants to see him. They, they've had enough of the Obama doctrine. Donald Trump comes into office and says, look, we're pro-Israel. We're going to put Israel first. We're going to move the capital to Jerusalem and you Arab neighbors are going to have to deal with it. And you know what they did? In large part, they dealt with it. And there was no terrorism for the most part. It says a lot. It says a lot about what Egypt, what Saudi Arabia, what Jordan, even the PA, the Palestinian Authority. It says a lot about what they think of the Obama doctrine. When Biden's on his way over there, big summit. I mean, they really promoted that summit. And it was canceled because, well, Jake Tapper said the Israelis bombed a hospital. What a world. <laughs> it says here, this is back to Sundance, the layers and layers of ideologues that Obama and Hillary embedded into the institutions of the State Department are as deep as the layers of ideologues Obama embedded into Maine justice and the intelligence community. You, you hear about all of the corrupt communist agents that Obama installed at the DOJ at the NSA, at the CIA, at the FBI. Well, don't forget about the State Department. Obama acolytes, they're all over the place. The swamp is deep. It says here, when Obama aligned with the Muslim Brotherhood, only a small percentage of the American people actually saw the big picture and realized the potential for long-term issues. We were among the small percentage. I'm not trying to you know, break my, break my arm patting ourselves on the back here. But as that 2009 uh, headline says, this is from the trumpet, the summer of 2009, right after the Cairo speech, how Obama's Cairo speech will shake the nations. The nations are shaking right now. And you've got Joe Biden getting up from his nap on Air Force One, talking gibberish. And this is what Obama projects to the Arab world. No wonder they didn't want to see him or talk to him. It says here, few people understood the nature of how political Islam would manifest with the extremist ideologues under their guide of the Brotherhood as an organization. Al-Qaeda, Al-Nusra, ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah, 
all fall under the extremist rubric, rubric sorry, of the brotherhood or what might be considered authentic Islam. The message continues to go out that radical Islam, look, it's just a tiny, 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 tiny little sliver of Islam at large. And you have these radicals going into southern, southern Israel, butchering 1,400, raping, taking hostage another couple hundred, and then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Muslims taking to the streets to show their support, their enthusiastic support for terrorism, for murder, for rape, for genocide. Listen again to the dear leader from, uh, from 2009. This is clip eight. Violent extremists have exploited these tensions in a small but potent minority of Muslims. The attacks of September 11, 2001, and the continued efforts of these extremists to engage in violence against civilians has led some in my country to view Islam as inevitably hostile not only to America and Western countries, but also to human rights. All this has bred more fear and more mistrust. He's the, he's the everyman, right? I mean, he, he, uh, he's, in this case, he's a Muslim. I mean, he's quoting from the Holy Quran. When he's at home, he's, he's a black man, even though he's black and half black, half white. But at home, he's a, he's, a, he's a persecuted black man. He speaks for the black community. There, he's speaking for all of America and the West. That mistrust is there because, well, there have been a few, just a few, radical Muslims that have carried out atrocities that have also fueled this mistrust between the two. That's not someone who's working to solve the mistrust. That was someone, just like he did with the race division at home. That was someone fueling the fire, saying that who is America to think that it can say, you don't deserve a nuclear bomb because you're sponsoring terrorism. So my administration will make it, make it easy for you to get one. Listen to him in this clip go on and on about the Holy Quran. And as he does so, ask yourself, do you ever remember him referring over and again to the Holy Bible? I'm sure there's one or two cases of it. He says he's a Christian. But listen to this clip, clip nine. As the Holy Quran tells us, using the same Holy Quran, the Holy Quran teaches that and the Holy Quran also says, Israel, when Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad, peace be upon them. The Holy Quran tells us, thank you, and may God's peace be upon you. Not, not even just the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran. He, he's got the proper Arabic dialect, I guess, going as well. The Holy Quran. My father wrote in that 2009 piece, Iran is the most important part of that subject. Iran is the king of, the, of terror that makes the Middle East tremble. But Obama didn't even mention the word terrorism in his speech. He gave that, I played, played it for you, he gave the veiled reference to 9-11 and the mistrust and so on. A few, you know, a few extremists that carry out violent acts, but no mention of terrorism. It, it's just like the fighters that invaded Israel 12 days ago. They're fighters, you see. They're part of the resistance. The president said, no single nation, well, it's the quote I gave to you in that clip. No, no one 
No one should control what another nation does with respect to nuclear weapons or, as he framed it, nuclear power. That's all that Iran, the Mullahs just want nuclear power. They're not really building nuclear weapons. I mean, come on. We trust them. Just like Joe Obama trusts Hamas to take care of the hundred million. It says, if the United States, my father writes, if the United States does not stop Iran, currently only one other nation will, Israel, and Obama also implied that the Israelis had better not bomb Iran's nuclear facilities or America will be against them. What kind of superpower is this? <laughs> this is the Trumpet Magazine in 2009. The Trumpet Magazine, 14 years ago. It says, finally, President Obama's speech has also shaken European nations. It will lead to a clash between these two powers, as Daniel prophesied. Europe can now see that America will do nothing to stop the King of the South or the terrorist movement led by Iran. So a couple prophecies coming, into, coming, coming to the fore. Europe looking at Biden, looking at Joe Obama, seeing they're not going to stop Hamas. They're certainly not going to stop Iran. We've got to do it ourselves. Europe's already in. They're already, they've already set in motion plans to get rid of the radical Muslims. Then you think about Daniel 40 and the clash that's coming between the king of the south and not America, the king of the north. That would be the Holy Roman Empire. Then you've got Israel. Other prophecies in Hosea and elsewhere that talk about Israel turning because of the deadly wound. That is the peace, the, the so-called peace process. Give away land and everything else in order to live alongside terrorists. They see it hasn't worked. So they see also that they can't rely on America as a trusted ally. So they turn to who? They turn to Assyria. Well, I've run out of time, but King of the South booklet. There's other booklets that certainly flesh out these prophecies in great detail. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you again tomorrow. <laughs>